Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 26, Tradecraft. This is the Wilderness Tamer podcast. My guest was Tony Sangelosi. He is a fellow bow hunter out of Iowa and as well as a black belt instructor of martial arts. It was a super fun episode. We talked about filming, saddle hunting, and just starting off hunting, being a green hunter, and all the mistakes that I've made, especially me. But other than that, it was a fun episode. I'm definitely going to have him on for turkey season and hopefully have him on if he has the time, probably mid-season, and see how his season's going, see if he's got anything yet. But I hope you guys enjoy the episode. But before I let y'all go, let's give a quick shout-out to the sponsors. First off is Dry Pocket Apparel. They are the future of swimwear that come with an integrated dry bag as a pocket with a self-sealing magnetic strip certified to go 100 feet down and they will keep your phone dry as a bone. Now, to save you a little bit of money, use promo code all caps wilderness to get you 25% off your order. My second sponsor is Nomad Outdoors. They have great clothing and camo options to keep you out all day taming your wilderness. My third and final is City Bonfires. Just like Ancient Caveman, they give you the ability to harness and carry fire with you wherever you go. It is a soybean wax canister that is just under a pound and is a great piece of kit to have. So go check them out as well. And I want to give a huge shout out to the fans, guests, past guests, and future guests for coming on the podcast and supporting it in whichever way you have, and especially the sponsors. So y'all go enjoy this episode. It was a fun one. And thanks again for making a man's dream come true. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is episode number 26 with Tony Sangelosi. This is the Wilderness Tamer podcast. Let's get him on the phone and get this podcast started. Call him. There, it's ringing. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? How are you? Um, glorious. And yourself? Oh, doing good, doing good. Just put the kids to bed, so we're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days, man. I got a, uh, a freshman and a senior this year, so. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, you're on the other end of the spectrum then. <laughs> oh, yeah. How many do you have? I got two. I got a five-year-old and a ten-month-old, so my plate is full oh, right nice. now. nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know what, man? There will be a... Uh, a time that seems like it's forever from now, though, but it won't be, and you'll be like, man, where did all that time go? I catch myself recognizing those moments because I'm like, I know this; these times are going to be the times I'm missing, so I catch myself yep. reflecting on that. Sure, <laughs> or at sure. Least trying to. Uh, just being a human, man, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, welcome to the podcast again, and uh, if you want Thank to, you, if you uh, introduce yourself and tell a little bit about you, then we'll get into it. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, my name is uh, Tony Sangelosi. I am uh, from Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, been in the uh, outdoor life now for uh, as long as I can remember. Uh, my grandparents uh, grew up in the country, uh, you know, four-wheeler riding, shooting BB guns, uh, having a good old time. Uh, but I actually didn't get into hunting until um, probably about six or seven years ago um i'll tell you a short story it's kind of funny how this turned out yeah um, go ahead <laughs> my, my, my daughter my daughter was going to an after school program uh-huh. um and it was in our uh in our area here locally she came home and she said uh i shot a bow today and i'm like no way that's pretty cool i'm like did you did you like it and she said yeah she said well maybe uh you know maybe santa will bring me one I'm like, you know, well, that'd be, maybe that'd be a good idea. Why don't you put it on your list? So, uh, you know, me and the wife got together and uh, we were like, you know what? Let's let's get her a bow for Christmas, you know? And I'm like, you know what? I might as well get myself one too, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Uh, so she has something to, to do this with, you know? And it is so, the season of giving, you know, that kind of thing too. Hey, <laughs> amen. Amen. So I went ahead and bought, uh, I got her a bear, which she still owns now. Um, and uh, I got myself a PSE Surge, which was my 
very first bow. Uh, it was a grow into type bow, you know, it was mm-hmm. huge adjustable draw length and, uh, you know, 40 to 60 pound draw weight. Oh, uh, yeah. So we started shooting and then, um, my boss at the time, uh, who's a, a really, 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 um, successful hunter, uh, he started talking to me about hunting and, uh, so I started talking to my daughter about it and we, when we bought the bows, we never, you know, we had no intention on hunting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we had the conversation about, Hey, do you want to go try it? This and that. So we went, uh, she loved the process of, you know, getting up at four, you know, getting everything ready, uh, painting your face, this or that. Well, she went out a couple of times and, you know, she was still a kid. So she did, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't uh, as serious as I was, but uh, she. Uh, I shot at the uh, my biggest buck actually to date uh, my first year, and then after that, she uh, wasn't into shooting as much and left me with a, a really sick addiction. I heard that. <laughs> so <laughs> so <clears throat> that's kind of how I got started uh, started hunting, man. And I haven't looked back since. And I've I've always been the type of person who when I do something, uh, it is to an obsessive, uh, place, um, where I want to know everything that I can. I'm a big gear nerd. I want to try everything I can. I want to work on my own stuff. I want to fletch everything, make my own area. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to, uh, you know, so I went to the, you know, complete deep end with this and, uh, I'm in the same boat. (laughs) Yep. Last couple of years, you know, she's a teenager now. So she's, uh, you know, doesn't want to hang out with, you know, we're no longer cool in those mm-hmm. years, you know, yep. she'd rather hang out with her friends. But, uh, you know, since then, uh, I've been just absolutely obsessed with it and it's a, it's a great outlet for me. And I, you know, it's something that I find myself doing all year round. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the good thing is, is now I'm, I guess I'm cool again. And, uh, so she wants to start hanging back out and going hunting again. So all right, that's awesome. <laughs> Lots of circles. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. But when I'm not hunting, I uh, I work for a very large uh, tire company. Okay. Um, my I've been married for uh, we me and my wife together uh, twelve years now. So uh, the uh, yeah, she uh, is in the education uh, field, and um, yeah, man, life's uh, life's good. I've heard that, and that's awesome. So when you started bow hunting, what kind of broadheads and stuff did, or what, what do you use now? I should say. Well, so I, uh, I was that guy who, uh, you know, was very easily manipulated by mm-hmm. what was whatever on TV. So does it uh, start with a rage? A hundred percent. I shot, I shot my first deer and lost my first couple. Um, you know, every, you know, I, I have my own you know, theories about this and by all means, am I not rage bashing, but, mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, yeah, started with the rage. The last rage I shot was the, uh, the no collar, which I thought was a really cool design. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I went to the, uh, fixed broadhead. Um, mm-hmm. my, my team I'm a part of is, uh, Roseborg, uh, TV. I don't know if you had a chance to check it out, but, uh, my two best friends are, um, uh, Sarah and Ray Rowe who were, uh, Ray is currently in the WWE and Sarah was in the WWE, but had a baby, um, as being a mom now, but that's awesome. We all, <laughs> yeah. We all, we all, uh, we all went down this fixed blade rabbit hole and they actually, uh, started shooting the Magnus black Hornet Sir Razor mm-hmm. and mm. haven't had an issue since. And that's, uh, you know, I, I test broadheads all year. Um, I shoot them all year. I, I have, uh, it's, I mean, I have a mess of broadheads everywhere. I mean, I could probably pay off my car in the amount of broadheads that I have laying around here. Amen. But, uh, yeah, but the, uh, the black hornet is what I shot, uh, five animals with that last year. I shot three deer, uh, pig and a turkey. And, um, everything was a full pass through except the turkey. Uh, everything recovered, you know, very quickly. And these, these things shoot. Uh, very, very straight as long as your bow's tuned, just like anything else, obviously. Yeah. Uh, they're not noisy, so that that's what I prefer to shoot personally. What do you uh, What do you shoot? I shoot the uh, Montec G5. That's what we've always used, and I like Perfect. I use a Mon, I, or I should say I was getting tongue-tied. I like a fixed broadhead myself. 
only because it's one less thing to go wrong. No, hundred percent. I and here's my theory on how what I how I lost one of the deers. And again, I don't know what happened because I didn't recover it. But I feel like on that mechanical, um, it was quartered a little bit, and as it started going in, I think only one side opened, which then changed the directory of the arrow. Yep. Um, and caused me to lose it. But um, yeah, that the the fixed blades. I mean, I I'd gotten into sharpening, um, which you know, uh, I went down the ranch ferry rabbit hole, um, a little bit, which, you know, good and bad. Um, but it definitely taught me, you know, that I need a, a sharp broadhead. And after, uh, you know, I perfected the arrow flight and tinkered with that, uh, you know, tuned my bow perfectly, uh, bought a, uh, you know, a bow press and a draw board and, you know, went, went, went that route. Um, I, I feel like anything that I can shoot out of my bow will shoot will shoot good. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's got to be something fixed, something that one solid piece, and something devastatingly sharp. Yes, it has to be. I'll tell you this a quick story. We were hunting one place that, uh, over at Stephen Foster, which is a I got I can't I forgot you're not local. <laughs> real quick, but it's a big <laughs> swamp down. It's the Okie Finoki Swamp, and not Okie paying Finoki. attention. Yes. It's Who the, named that? Do what? Who named something that rhymed like that? Okie Pinocchio. What's the? You got? Was there a backstory that, to that? Yes, that's the woods. Okay. James. <laughs> it's the woods. James Oglethorpe walked through as he discovered Georgia. Oh no way! Yeah, in the original thirteen colonies. <laughs> and man, I've oh, seen really cool. everything but a skunk ape in those woods. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but real those Montex, man, those suckers are so sharp. I was sitting on the ground hunting one morning because we got there late. And I had a deer pop out. Well, I slid an arrow down. This is being a green hunter, green mistake. Didn't have an arrow in my bow. Slid my arrow down, and I had my legs stuck out. Because I was sitting in a lawn chair, you know, carrying a lot of heavy gear and thick crap. Long way back there, not really having to do all that crap, at least not knowing then. But somehow, I slid the broadhead across my leg, and it cut me through my jeans. And I didn't notice it until I went to go stand up. And I was like, why is my boot wet? And it was red as the red carpet in Hollywood. So I kind of oh. freaked out on that one. I had to call Dad because I was only like 15 at the time. I had to put some galls on that. But I learned the hard way. Keep It's like a gun. Make sure it's pointing in a safe direction. Yeah. So I, I have a picture on Instagram, actually, of when I first started using fixed blades. Dude, I caught myself. Like, uh, my whole left hand, uh, It was. I mean, there was cuts all over it. I just wasn't used to it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. But I've... Uh, I have uh, Magnus offers what's called a, um, I think it's called a snuffer, mm-hmm. S-N-U-F-F-E-R, which is very similar to that G5 Montag. And I, I know several people who shoot that yeah. um, and have shot it, and they're super easy to, to sharpen. Mm-hmm. Um, you literally, I mean, you just turn it and drag it, turn it, drag it. I mean, you don't have to work on the angle. You don't have to, yep. I mean, they're they're very easy to maintain but uh have you if you I, I haven't shot them personally have you had good luck with them yes we've shot pigs deer all kinds of stuff i even shot rabbits and quail and i mean i'd say my thickest animal was a 250 pound hog and it zipped right through them no problem and the hog was down i'd say 50 steps if that oh man so it was a big old russian boar too that's probably <laughs> my biggest animal i've killed with a bow that's so cool. I, I, like I said, I went, uh, last year, uh, went down to Florida to, uh, hog hunt, um, actually all three of us. And, uh, I, I had never been hog hunting before and I, I didn't know if I would like it. It's uh, different. Florida was, <laughs> it, it's definitely different. And Florida was cool. Minus the, like every bug is like the size of your head and trying to kill you. Dude, people um, don't realize um, it's like the Amazon. I mean, it's yeah, really yeah. an American Amazon down here. Yeah, that thermocell, man, is clutch. Dude, um, it's worth its weight in gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. But after, you know, that thing did work uh, very, very well. And, mm-hmm. you know, we hunted out of a blind. And I, uh, you know, the cool thing is, is we did get to, I got that one on videotape. So, you know, we had a nice YouTube uh, episode after off of that. But oh, cool. it was, uh, yeah, it was super fun. Super fun. They Were y'all you know, down they, there in the summertime or y'all tried to hit there in the fall? Uh, we went in October, um, oh, okay. so I shot, yeah, it wasn't like terrible, t- I mean, it would, no, I, I'm taking it back, I mean, it was terrible. Yeah, Florida's always hot, from, but the humidity is what's the kicker. Yeah, that's the thing, man, you know, I shot my buck last year, October 2nd, and then we went, which was like three days into the season, four days into the season, 
mm-hmm. um, which I never normally shoot a deer that early, but it just happened to work out that way. But and we already had that hog hunt planned. Um, so about two weeks later, we went down there, and I'm trying to watch all these videos because they they want you know I wasn't used to an, an animal moving so much. Um, that mm-hmm. was like the biggest challenge for me is like sit still for two yeah, seconds they so don't stop you they're constantly no, shuffling they, and they turn like a like a barrel you know there's they don't bend like a deer does yeah. half their body and they um, got so body armor built into their body with that cartilage shield over the shoulder yeah i have yeah, had i've had friends find buckshot pistol rounds and i've known friends <laughs> that have shot them with bows and the shield stop it yeah yeah, I felt that actually. So I, I happened to in the, the vital area is super small. Yeah. Um, so when I shot mine and we recovered it, um, I stuck my finger in the in the wound and I felt that cartilage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's dude, it's it's crazy. It's like an inch to two inch thick. thick. It it can be. I've seen it with hogs we've skinned. It has been up to two inches thick on some boars we've killed, and that's been up to about. Yeah. My mom shot one years back and it was like 280 pounds but she oh, shot it in man. the rain and it the worst part this thing smelled like bigfoot's musky ball sack. oh yeah oh they will we had to take turns skinning it. my dad go up there gagging he'd cut a little bit <laughs> then i <laughs> then we'd come back when he had enough and i'd go up there and you constantly have to sharpen your knife too man it's like cutting carpet Oh yeah, you ever see one of those tree trimmers where you can like extend it and they can <clears throat> cut the branches off oh yeah Y'all should just attach a, a knife to one of those and just extend it. You right. know what I mean? And then you two hands on it and try to try to cut that sucker off that way. But well, yeah, they they're disgusting. Later that evening there was a guy, it's just community skinning rack we used to use back in the day. And a trick he told us that he heard from one of his an old timer, they would take a full wheeler, a golf ball, and a cable, string the pig up and cut the skin in strips, like three strips. Cut a little tag on the skin, stick the golf ball like a little button you would, like a rock on a tarp, you know, and how you tie it yeah. off or something like that. Do oh. that with the skin and pull the rest. It'll come right off and just pull it with a four-wheeler. It's a redneck oh, hat, but they said it works. <laughs> you know, I've seen something like that on uh, my the processor who I take my deer to. He does something very similar with a chain. Yep. Um, so he'll hang them up and then make his cuts and then attach like a little chain and grab the chain and just it just rips it straight down it's it's very very fast i mean he yeah. can do he can run through some some deer in a night if he's yes. you know motivated to doing it that way that's why i work at a processor too one get free processing fee two I'll opportunities for the podcast just to talk to people like i had a guy come on he was i think it was like episode number eight he shot like a two which down here 230 pound deer it was like 233 if i'm not mistaken but it was 12 point and they had a heck of a tracking story where, like, the tracking dog had to pretty much fight it down and get another shot on it. It was ridiculous. But it's just stuff like And I like doing that kind of stuff because not a lot of people like to work with their hands. I've grown up welding, carpentry, and I've been fortunate enough to work for my grandfather. He's been in demolition and construction and stuff. So I've learned a lot, and i learned just to work with my hands, and that's why I like it. <laughs> yeah, and there's something, uh, you know, especially if you have, uh, you know, a buddy or two there, or, heck, even if it's just by yourself, you know, and you – you hang one up and get some music going, get some coffee on or get a beer or something. Oh, and yeah. That's, that, that's why you do it, man. It's you know, primal. So that's a, yeah. People rush that shit. And that's the, that's the time you're patient on, you know? Well, it's a time to rejoice, too, that it was a good harvest. You know, it's like it's yeah. real poetic and primal at the same time. You know what Doesn't I mean? Get any more <laughs> primal, yeah. Yep. So uh, getting up in Ohio, uh, how's the public land situation like? Do you hunt a lot of public land or do you try to stay more towards private grounds? So when I first started hunting, it was actually at a, a buddy's grandma's house, and she only had seven acres, um, and only four of the acres were woods. But okay. it happened to be between bedding and an ag field. Ooh. So I hunted there like it was it was perfect. Um, That's the interstate, man. Uh, <laughs> it, it really, really is, and I had no idea what I was doing either. Like looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, how did I screw all that Dude, up? That I perfect. still don't. I'm figuring it out every season. <laughs> no, I, it's it's the same, and you know what? That's the that's the fun part about it, though, man. Like mm-hmm. there's there's been years in between where I've only shot a doe or I haven't just a season where I haven't shot anything and been there. you know it's frustrating as it is sometimes but uh you know that's that's just part of it and we have to mm-hmm. accept that and I've in those years where I have you know I've learned more on the years that I haven't harvested a ton of deer 
than on the years that I have. No, I so agree with that. 100%. If, you, if you look at it that way, um, but as far as the public <laughs> land goes, um, um, in Northeast Ohio, there's uh, there's uh, a few. Um, they're not huge tracks, though. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe 30, 40 acres here and there. Um, when you get down to start talking Southern Ohio, mm-hmm. um, you got you have huge, huge plots. Um, we uh, we have a trip planned um, to go down to Southern Ohio uh, the week of like this sixth or the ninth or something like that so we'll take off on a tuesday we'll hunt wednesday thursday friday saturday come home and then uh i always take my favorite week to hunt every year is the week leading up to halloween yep i'm not a big rut hunter um i i can't i i uh as many trail cameras as i run and as much um (laughs) intelligence as i you know look at as far as in the deer deer um you know just just I keep journals. Like I mean, I'm a I'm I'm a freak when it comes to that stuff. Uh, I the run is just too unpredictable for me to waste days when every single hunter's out there and hope that something just runs by me. Yeah, it's just um, a madhouse during that time. It is, man. I'd rather I'd rather hunt the week before where you know uh, I, I can rattle a buck in because mm-hmm. they're fired up right now, waiting for the first doe. You know, yeah. um, they respond to grunts sometimes um and again that's the, the woods aren't super populated during that week because everybody's waiting for those next couple weeks you know normally mm-hmm. we're uh, november 5th november 7th november 9th you know that first you know after those first couple of days in november you know it's on everybody's everybody's out yeah so i try to try to get it done there and then um not a ton of uh not a ton of people late season here. Our season runs very, very late. Um, uh, we can hunt till normally February 4th, February 6th. Oh, the wow. first Saturday of February. Oh yeah. That's so, awesome. I mean, I've had friends, you know, and we, you know, we can, we can harvest. I mean, it's a one buck, uh, state, but, mm. uh, you can harvest six deer. So. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's uh, like Georgia. We can shoot 10 does and two antler buck. See the, I, I I kind of go back and forth if I would like that, or at least if you're going to have more than one, maybe make one. It's got to be a, an eight or they actually, or something like yes, that. Yes, they actually changed the laws this year because Georgia's been going through, especially with our turkey population, has been taking a serious hit. But even with the deer, you you can't shoot a spike anymore. One has to at least have a forked horn, and have the next buck has to have four points on one side. And or yeah. at least or outside fifteen inches outside the ears, something like that. four points, and fifteen inches at least. But so which I'm have, fine with uh, that. Yeah, so we have a um, uh, one of the rules in Ohio is you can actually if you shoot a spike and, and it's I think and I may be wrong here uh, with the inches, but if the <laughs> if it ends up being a spike and they're like three inches or, or less, you can tag it as a doe. Yep, we they always um, that's like little button bucks and stuff like that. That's the same as right. the down here. Right, right, right. But I think that one of the reasons why Ohio is such a slept-on state and people shoot massive deer is because you got one buck. Mm-hmm. Now, I can guarantee you that ever since this online check-in has started, that God, uh, dude, we've had the that too. Yeah, dude, the integrity of some hunters is, uh, you know, something that I'm not proud of. Yeah. Uh, because I guarantee you, you know, you got people on the middle of nowhere. You got people who, you know, will still spotlight deer here. You got people who, you know, and, yep. it, and again, it's a small percentage, man. It, it really, really is. But it still sucks. It does. It and it can, that little bit sheds a, sheds a bad light over the whole, you know, everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, being able to hunt through, you know, February, uh, that, uh, that, and we can bait in Ohio as well. I was just about to um, so, ask that. If y'all can y'all bait? Yeah. So late season is is huge. You know, everything's dead. Everything's cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, our winters last seems like forever here in Ohio. Yeah. Um, we we so, don't even have a winter down here. It's just four seasons in one day. <laughs> four seasons and get a little less humid sometimes. Man, it can't. I, I say there'd be like maybe a two month stretch from like maybe November or maybe four from February might be get good. But I couldn't. Even, I think maybe I can count on one hand on how many days that touched down in the 30s down here last year. See, I I run so hot temperature wise that I may just die. 
Well, that's I, me I'm too. Not known I, for that. I, I was born in Fairbanks, Alaska. My dad was military and then moved down here. Me and my wife's <laughs> plans, we're trying to get back out west because I just I want to go live out there for a while. Not yeah, saying I mean, Georgia's yeah. a bad spot. You can be at the beach in two hours, be in the mountains of sure. four. Yep. But I just I want to get out here and see the rest of the United States, especially hunt it for sure. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. That's uh so uh my team and I we had we had plans to go, you know, elk hunt, mule deer. Um yep. and then uh, our fourth member, uh they had a they had a baby over uh last year. Um pushed back the plans a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I had one in October, so it kinda of messed up my mind. Oh nice too. man. <laughs> Yeah, you guys got to be more strategic on when you, uh, no kidding. you know, when these things things happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, my, I'm, the, I am very much the same. I, I wanna, I wanna hunt. Uh, do I still have you? Hello? Yeah, you got me. You're good. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, I, uh, yeah, mule deer, elk. That's, uh, that's a dream hunt for me. That's, that's yeah. definitely on the, uh, that's definitely on the next list. Have you, you went mule deer or elk ever? Not yet, but I want to bad. But I do a lot of public land hunting with backpacking, going to different parts of public land in Georgia. So I can got to get a taste of like carrying heavy gear and heavy loads. Because I've shot one of my longest. I was about four or five miles back in the mountains of North Georgia. Ooh. Yeah, me and my dad about got into scrap in the woods because we had, we all so he's like, why the hell would you shoot a deer this far back? And it was a big old heavy oh, doe too. And there was so many vines and stuff, man. We actually had to cut a tree down, make a litter, hook our backpacks onto her and the stick, and had to walk her out that way. So Holy moly, like old school. Yeah, it was cool. I wish I had a GoPro to film all that stuff, and I wish I had the wherewithal growing up, starting hunting, to start videoing and all that. Because there oh, like yeah. all kinds of stupid, crazy crap I've done, and just mistakes I've done, too, as a green hunter. Speaking sure. Speaking of filming, when uh when did you start kind of getting into filming hunts and stuff like that? Yeah, so um I last year really um now maybe maybe the year before um I was a uh, still am actually a huge fan of uh, and that your neck of the woods uh, Copeland Creative. Um, do you uh, have you ever followed them? I don't think I've heard of them. So they're they're based out of De- DeLog De- De- something. Yeah, something yeah. like that, Georgia. Yeah, I go and, trout fishing um, up around there a lot. Nice, nice. So there's a they're they're definitely growing by now. But I was uh, I was a huge Sean Dudley fan for a uh, for a long time, mm-hmm. um, especially as a newer hunter. He had yes. he had great instructionals out, um, so it helped me out a lot. And being that I really didn't come from a, a hunting family, a lot of this was kind of learned on my own, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was YouTube, watching, all that. Watching YouTube, <laughs> yep, going outside. Watching YouTube, going outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he, the guy who he filmed, or that films him, his name is uh, Caleb Copeland, and he uh, also has a, uh, a podcast called Redneck Tech, and all they do is talk about you know filming, editing, this or that. So uh, I need to check him out because I'm trying to get into that realm this season. Well, let me let me tell you. So they this is the one that'll help you out even even more. So they have a very affordable uh, content creation class where you go to Georgia, which is right there for you. Um, I'm not sure the cost, but I can send, I'll hook you up with them. I I talk to uh, them at least once a week just with questions. I mean, they're very responsive. I mean, there's a lot of nowhere, but yeah. But they have a class for editing, content creating, using your camera better, Mm -hmm. uh, this or that. So I've, I've been following them for the last couple of years and, uh, you know, started uh, buying, you know, fourth era camera arm is who I use. They they have, the, the reason I like their setup is you can buy the bases that you can fix to trees and they're very affordable bases. Mm-hmm. And then all you have to do is carry in your camera and then the camera arm, which has a male end to it, yeah. that you literally slide down into the female end yep. and then you're hooked up. So if you, if you have five or six sets hung randomly, let's just say on a property, um, you can have that camera arm hung in 30 seconds. That's awesome. It kind of sounds like the Millennium Lock-On where you just put that little tree knuckle up there and it just slides right yeah. in there and you can be really no, 100%. Mobile. Yep, 100%. So especially uh, the, the only downside for me is that I, you know, I've, I've saddle hunted the last couple of years. So I, yeah, I, I wanted to get in that with you here in a minute too about that. See if sure, you... <laughs> sure. But yeah, I, uh, that, that camera stuff is, uh, I'm not very good at it yet, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a, it's challenging. I love taking pictures, love taking videos. Me too. Um, it's the editing 
you know, that, uh, that I, I eventually just need to, to get better at. So, mm. uh, but yeah, man, it's super fun. Those, you know, and, and I think the best part about that too is I, I love shoulder mounts, man. They're so cool. You know, yeah. you go down to the basement, you can tell a story, but what better story to tell than, you know, Hey, actually, you know, let me, let me show you what Come happened li- yeah. with this buck. Come relive it you with know? me. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's something that just will never get old. I mean, not that, not that you forget every, not that you could forget every little detail. Cause I could tell you every detail of every buck I ever shot, every deer I ever mm-hmm. shot me too. to this day. Um, but to be able to rewatch that is just, man, it's just so fun. So anything when we're gone and dust, our kids and everybody else be able to watch and say, this is what your grandfather did or something like that. You know, that's what I'm kind of doing with this podcast as well. Cause hell, by the time I'm 70, I plan on keeping doing this thing till then, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, yeah. And there's no telling what opportunities might come from it. That's, uh, that's, that's another big thing. Yeah, absolutely. The, the networking part of it, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate in my area. Um, are you familiar with Exodus trail camera? Uh, somewhat, but I mainly use like, I have used Cuddy back, have one stolen before. And now I just use like those standard. What's the the Bush camera or what? Not Bush. Yeah, yeah. I forgot what it's called. Bush, Bush now. Bush now. I'm sorry. Can't even think now. Yeah. Been a long weekend. Had a crazy wedding at the uh, venue yeah. this weekend. <laughs> it was a long night last night. But yeah, yeah right. I've used them and much. I got one of those cellular cameras too. I got for the Christmas wife. I mean, I didn't even use it because it was December and the season was about over, so I didn't want to take it out in the woods. But sure. for the main part, I'm a public land hunter, so I really I'm. I'm kind of sketchy on using a camera. So I try to find my strategy. I try to find active sign right then and there and hunt that instead of hang cameras and stuff. Especially totally in public agree. Land. I mean, that's, Oh yeah. This is that, uh, you know, if you, know, you got a five year warranty on that camera, and if mm-hmm. it gets stolen, they warranty it. Oh damn. That's a good deal. So yeah, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, I think, I mean, in my opinion, a uh, public land hunter is, is probably one of the one of the, the best hunters that you can be you know um well it definitely it makes you more diverse i will say that you can run a gun sure. i should say sure the 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 guys who can uh who can go out with no camera read the sign set up over the sign and and kill that day or the next day or even a week later or i'll say um, set up no. and pray like hell <laughs> something yeah. walks by no, hundred percent, hundred percent. I I think that that uh, not that not that you know saddle hunters or people who use cameras aren't hunters because I mean that that's how I hunt. I mean yeah. I have probably twelve cameras out on um, three properties that I hunt here. Yeah, I'm, uh, if I have private property, I'm a hundred percent for because I like to know what I got coming on. And plus, you don't know if someone else is trespassing down here. Well, that's it's yeah. either got to be a lawyer, doctor, or be lucky enough to be born into a family that has land. It's just sure. everybody. It's like Texas. Everybody has huge tracks, and they want they don't want no one coming on it. Which I understand that I wouldn't want trespassers uh, me either. Too. So, well, it's funny thing is, like I was just having this conversation with my wife the other day, and I'm like, man, you know, because I, I I went asked and asked this gentleman if I could hunt there, and and I was and you know he told me no, and you know I said, hey, thank you. If anything ever changes, you know, please let me know. Here's my number, blah blah blah. Yeah. And then not not an hour later, I'm I'm saying. I can't wait to get land. When I get land, I'm not letting anybody on there, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, see, I just literally got upset because this guy wouldn't let me on his land. And the yep. first thing I say is nobody's coming on my land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to get told no a lot more than you're going to get told yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But absolutely. But you will, miss, or you will miss 100% of the shots you don't take either. So you never know. <laughs> yep. yep. And and I have a, uh, so I have a, a strategy that I use um, every year, regardless of how many properties that I have, as I, I'll scout and on, um, you know, so I use, uh, Spartan Forge now, but I used to use, um, Onyx and yes, that... I would find, I would find 25 properties that I'm interested in mm-hmm. and I would knock on 25 doors a year. That's it. I shouldn't say that's it, but if I would gain any great, if I don't, I don't. And then the next year I keep a log of the ones I have, I had asked the previous year mm-hmm. and I, I set a goal on another 25. Um, and then, you know, now, uh, out of a couple years of doing that, I have three solid properties. Uh, one's, they're both, one's 50, another one's 50, and the other one's like eight, but the eight acres is, 
is is really probably the best out of the three to be honest with you just because of how it's set up but mm-hmm. um i you you just never know when you're going to get that call and they say hey you know i appreciate you respecting the land and this and that but you know i sold the property to my son and you know he doesn't want anybody to hunt here and now come get your stuff yeah. you know oh, so, yeah. been there before too uh, yeah it stinks but it's it's uh it's unfortunately part of it but it that's is. that's why you got to keep grinding every year mm-hmm. um because you can you know i'd rather have five properties and i don't touch two out of the five but keep keep in touch with the landowners so i can go next year then you know have two lose one and now i have one property to hunt mm-hmm. um and not saying that one's not enough but uh you know obviously the more the merrier um and you know give you more opportunities so yeah, that's kind of the same thing with us, too. We were on a club about four years ago, and we were on it for about three years. And the fourth year, they came through, and I, when I say they clear-cut it, it looked like a Vietnam bombing raid. And you could just see where they just drove around my stand and left one little pine tree in my double stand sitting there. I was like, damn. So, And after that, it pushed all the deer off. We got off of the next following season. So, yeah. And, I mean, a couple of years from now, it'll probably be great betting. But yeah. Uh, instantly, it's probably you know I don't know which that yeah, area. Like, you just never know that area of Georgia. They allow dog hunting. Do y'all allow dog hunting up there? I have no idea. Uh, are you talking just like drives? Yes, it's pretty much a what are they, I guess you call it like a southern drive where you use the dogs and you guys will have trucks or sit on the roads with trucks and stuff and radio around the block. They're pushing a the deer and they'll get on the other side. I've never yeah, done it. But I've heard it's fun, but I've also heard of a lot of people getting hurt that way, too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I know you're not allowed to use any electrical, electronic device, I'm pretty sure, okay. in Ohio. Um, but I know, you know, the Amish, they love doing that up here. They'll start at one side of the field and just walk. And then, you know, the other guys will be at the other end ready to just World <laughs> War Two friggin'. You know, yeah. you, you know, like I, I've been, I've been on a tree stand in a neighboring property and I'm like, what in the hell is happening? Sound right like now? a dove shoot going off. I'm like, oh my God. Oh yeah. Needless to say, I didn't see any deer that day, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, but I, it, it looks, I mean, I can see the value and it's just not my style. Personally. Me either. I've always grown up being a steel hunter, but yeah. plus I feel like to me when the deer's running that much and that hard. That meat's going to be so damn tough. I like to take it yeah. when they're nice, chill, tranquilo, just hanging yeah. out, and then the next thing you know, their lights turn off. That's all I wanted to know. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And that there's that uh, – that that the reason I bow hunt, I, and I've never even went out rifle hunting for deer at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, The reason I, I like bow hunting so much is just because and, – and I bow hunt every animal that I've, I've ever killed, um, mm-hmm. but that – that up close and personal, that uh, being there where they spend 365 days a year and their number one job is to not get killed and eat and socialize. Mm-hmm. And you go 20 yards from them and are able to, to see their breath coming out, being able to hear the noises they make, being able to watch them interact without you you know them knowing that you're there. Oh, that, yeah. that for me just... That does it, man. Oh, that yeah, does for it sure. for me. That's, that, that's uh, yeah. Well, with me, I, I started shooting a bow when I was about 11. I got my first recurve and all that. Then about 13, I was shooting a compound. But I started shooting tournaments, really, my, was my main thing. And I did that to become a better hunter in the, I guess, yeah, in the beginning. Yeah, for sure. And it did. I mean, I went in, uh, to nationals and all that, representing the state of Georgia for all nice. that. But it got to the point where I got burned out with a bow so much. I went, I hunted for oh, eight years. Sure. I put it down, and I'd say I put it down for about eight years, and this is my first year picking it up, or first season picking up a bow in that long. Nice. I've just been a gun yeah. hunter that long because I, I sold all my tournament stuff. I sold my hunting bow, and like I say, just getting a wife and getting married, I could just go through phases in your life, but now it's coming back around. Huh. I feel like a young kid again, especially shooting a trad bow. Oh, absolutely. That uh, That's one thing I'm so afraid. I'm not even going to try to shoot yet. Because I'm gonna go down a toe eye can just see what would happen to me. Yep. Uh and I'm just gonna stay away from it for now. Um and if this gets boring ever for me, then I'll I'll move to, on to that. But if I do that, I'm gonna sell my soul and I'm gonna be 
all in. I can just, I just know my personality. So yeah. I'm going to stay away from that until I'm ready. Well, it's like a 22 for bows. I mean, it's the only thing that saved my bows or turkey season this year because I had, I was fighting coyotes a lot on my property. So the birds were nada. They weren't talking nothing. I had, I had a yeah. sign and all that, but they never wow. called. And I'd say the last four weeks of the season, every time I went, by my third or fourth call sequencing of the morning, I would have coyotes making moves on me, like within 100 really? yards making moves. Yes. And I'm talking Holy six crap. to eight. So I usually just pack my shit up at that time. I stand up, and I kind of just gingerly walk around. And my, my first time it happened, I was like, you know, I'm going to see if I can call one of these suckers in. But all of, it yeah. sounded like maybe just two or three. And, man, when they were within 100 yards, I had about five of them light up behind me. So I was like, holy crap. Oh, wow. Yeah, do y'all? I, mean, I know y'all got some coyotes up there, don't you? They're pretty oh, much, yeah, lot, yeah. Pretty much dogs up there, though. Down here, we got a little no. wily thing. Yeah, they're uh, they're 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 massive, and they yeah. I I did have a recent uh, trail camera pick with a deer and a coyote in it eating from the corn pile. Oh, that's um, cool. <laughs> which yeah, it was very random, uh, and it I'm sure it doesn't happen very often, uh, but. I, I also had a couple little cubs on trail camera too, which really sucked um, because it was where bucks normally uh, travel through in this little pinch point. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is the first year out of the three years I've owned this property that I've had no bucks going through there. Now they're gone by now, but yeah. it's still normally uh, July, August, I got bucks central moving through there and I'm trying to, trying to see what's gonna what's gonna hang out but this is the first year because it has to be because of that oh yeah for I sure mean, maybe not but i i would assume that's the reason why well, they, yeah they're, they're we, big here if there was cubs there that's of course there means they're denning mother and they say the mom usually hangs around the den and it's the male that goes out looking and looking and scavenging for food because they pair for okay. life i don't know if you know that oh i didn't i know nothing about them well, yeah, I've, I did a lot of night vision hunting, too. That's another thing I did for a while. But That'd be fun. It is. My dad's got thermal and all that, and I had the uh, not – God, I can't think. It was the S4K ATN Pro, or, a, yeah, ATN company. I can't think Let's of go. it. My brain is fried right now. But, yeah, it's just something different. But getting into saddle hunting, when did you decide to get into or make the jump? Yeah, so um... – Last year was the first full year I saddle hunted. The year before that is when um, when I really started looking at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something I had never heard of. Um, always tree stand, always you know, I have a handful of lone wolves that I put out everywhere. Oh yeah. And um, I, the thing that attracted me is, man, I, I get I got picked off a lot, and I, I know some of it was my fault that. Uh, you know, I didn't have a good background and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I was picking the wrong trees and this or that. But the first thing that intrigued me was the first video I watched was, uh, you know, this dude was setting up behind the tree and I'm like, what is this? So, you know, I, I saved up and, uh, you know, bought my first setup and, uh, what kind of saddle did you up. buy? If you don't mind um, asking. So yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. No problem. Um, so I have, uh, Tethered is, is the company that I use. Um, okay. I have, I have all their stuff. I probably have, probably have all through all, actually, I probably have every saddle that they make. Um, and they, you know, when they came out with the one sticks this year, you know, uh, I got to try those out, you know, before they hit the market, which was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And those, uh, really helped out, you know, having four, you know, those sticks weigh a pound a piece. Yes. You know, you have four sticks with a three step eater on there. You're getting really high for, four and a half pounds yeah that's my um, next upgrade to go on my walk on i haven't made the saddle jump yet but i'm damn sure getting some new sticks <laughs> well the yeah so the the sticks was kind of what sealed the deal at the end of everything because mm-hmm. you could really take in you know hawk heliums or you could take in uh um muddy pros and you know much more affordable <laughs> options yeah um but what really made everything way different for me is like I said, being able to, to set up behind the tree. So if I'm staring directly at the tree and I suspect that the deer movement is going to come from my left to my right or my right to the left, um, that deer has no idea I'm there, you know, obviously setting up in good wind. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, they can't see you. 
there's no looking up. There's no, I mean, you're behind the tree. And at mm-hmm. that point, you know, half of your face is sticking out, you know, so you can obviously watch the deer. And then you just move, shift your knees, straighten them out. And now you're on the side of the tree, drawn back, ready to take the shot. And they really have no clue what the hell went on because they don't even see you. Yeah. So I can't, I just, man, it sucked. I've been at full draw so many times on a deer and then they look up and I'm just pegged. And then they either take off or I shoot, had a bad, you know, that was back to the rage story. You know, a couple of them, I've been at full draw and they look up, I shoot. Now they, they roll and, and you know, a good (laughs) shot. Yeah. So ever since I started saddle hunting, that has not been a factor, no factor when it comes to, um, a deer picking me off behind, you know, standing in Mm -hmm. front of a tree. So that alone. And then, um, having a 360 degree shot on a tree. That's another thing. I like, unlike well, I guess a con of the lock on you're stuck in that general direction. And it's like, I open a weekend. If I would have been in a, probably been in a saddle, I could have shot a doe that blew me, blew me out that following morning. And she was probably 20 yards from the base of my tree. So, uh, Dr. Carl Miller, he's, have you ever heard that name? It sounds familiar. I think my buddies talked about him. So he's, uh, he's a deer biologist. Um, that's all he does is study on deer. Mm-hmm. And I was always told that the number one defense that a deer has is their nose. And, and it's actually not true. Um, the studies that he's done, it's actually the deer's eyes. Mm-hmm. So, um, he gives several examples, that, you know, of the cones that they have and every, everything, you know, it's, it's, they have a lot different setup than what we do. So they can, um, you know, be on another side of a football field and you're standing there and they just pick you off because you move yeah. and you're like, what the, how the hell did you even do that? Yep. Um, well, when you take that out of the equation now, you know, because I've been in a, in a tree stand where. I just go grab from my bow and I'm moving like at a negative speed to reach for my bow. And then they look up. Mm-hmm. Well, there goes, there goes that. Yep. Um, so to have that completely out of the equation, um, and on top of that, I don't have to break down a, a friggin' tree stand every single time that I guess <laughs> the, yeah. is the wrong movement of the deer. Right. So I go in, I do some scouting, I set up my tree stand and I hope that I'm in the right place where, if yeah. I go in in the morning on a saddle and I set up and I see, oh man, I didn't see that trail they've been coming off of. It takes me minutes to break everything back down, move to another tree and climb back up. Yeah. On top of that, you have to have the perfect tree or close to the perfect tree for a tree stand. Yes. Not the case on a saddle. That's, um, you I, can be, I ran into that problem opening weekend. <laughs> yep. You can be completely tied in as you climb trees and go over branch, over branch, over branch, over branch, and you're tied in the whole time um, where if you have a tree stand and you have a harness on, um, you know, and you let's just say you have a, a one tether or something like that that you're throwing around the tree, yeah. you got to disconnect that, go over the limb, connect that. It's just, it, you know, with kids, I'm not, I, I don't want the chance anymore, man. I need to come home. Well, and yeah, that's true. I, I don't want to take, I don't, uh, the safety aspect is another thing. I'm not, I'm not taking that chance anymore. You um, can't, man. There's been, we've known a guy on public land. We saw him hunting that morning and that evening he went back and he fell and he broke his pelvis and had to crawl two miles to his truck to get back to the check-in station. Jesus, dude. It's just not, dude, it's not worth it. It ain't. Now, was he not, was he not wearing a harness or? I, I think he was climbing down and he's, I think if I remember the story right, he was on a oak tree because. I don't like climbing on an oak tree myself, especially with like a climber or something, because I've had them slip on me. But yeah. his just went straight to the bottom. I don't know if it broke or what, but he's it snapped his pelvis. And he said that yeah. was some of the worst pain and the longest evening he's been he's had in a long time. I, I couldn't imagine. He but, still walks with um, a limp, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean he's lucky he's not dead, yeah. right? Um where you know, you have two ropes on you on the saddle. You have a uh, you have your uh, lineman's belt, which goes around the tree and hooks into your other loop. Yep. And now you can climb up hands free. And then if you come, you have your tree tether in your other pouch, which when you get to the top of the tree, you tether it into your bridge. Well, if you come in contact with, let's just say a branch that, or a, uh, yeah, a branch where you can't get your lineman belt around, mm-hmm. you take your you take your tether out 
you hook it to your lineman's belt, you throw it over top of it, hook it into the other side, take your lineman's belt off. Now you've got your tether on still. Yeah. Get over that branch and then reconnect again and keep going. Yeah. Um, does it take a little longer? Sure. But it's I don't want to explain, <laughs> I'm not explaining to my kids that, hey, I didn't want to take the extra two minutes to go over this thing and now I'm in a wheelchair or I'm dead. Yeah, you're freaking vegetable rest of your life, man. You got top of yeah. the computer like Stephen Hawking. Yeah, no way. No way. I'll take the extra two minutes, man. For sure. And plus, I hate heights anyways. Uh, yeah. Believe it or not. Growing uh, I up, I was like, my dad always told me, he said, whenever you think you're high enough, go up another 10 feet. I'm like, yep. okay. But now yep, I'm no, like, at 20, I'm like, okay, I'm good here. That's pretty much yeah. my height there. Yep, but with the with the saddle, man, um, I mean, dude, I, I've, I've hung a tree stand before, and I have been frozen in fear. Once I get up there and I stand on it for the first time, yeah. I am frozen. Uh, <laughs> it took me like 10 minutes uh, to, un, to, to psych myself back up. But since I've saddled on it, I have not had that fear at all. Because yeah. of the, the equipment. Since you brought that up, like I said, this this past opening weekend was kind of a diagnostic test for me getting on my, my Millennium because I carry four sticks with me and all that stuff, hanging and all that. Well, I was climbing up in the dark, and I was like, oh, this is you know just like a fish to water. I remember I'd do this. Well, I was sitting there waiting for daylight. It was good and dark, and I couldn't see, really see the ground under me, so you know, out of sight, out of mind. Well, yeah. I was getting up to that golden hour of the morning i was like well, i'm just gonna stand here and just be ready if something walks by because i've been caught sitting down before a green green hunter mistake and i was oh, like yeah. well i'm gonna draw my bow back and see how i can range well i got my bow in my hand and i went to go let go of the chair and all of a sudden it's like you say it's like you're just paralyzed and you're like i don't think i can freaking do this right now so i set my bow on the rack and i see i made myself i was like all right i gotta stand here and i just kind of just put my hands on my i got a hunter safety system is what i sit in and I just kind of stuck my hand, my forefingers in the front pouch and made myself stand there and just kind of looked out to the horizon a little bit until I got a little bit easier with it. Yep. So as the weekend went on, though, I kind of I got used to it. But that there is that factor, though. Yep. <laughs> Good I've been, factor. Yeah, man. Been there. But let me tell you, when you when you have that full control with that saddle and you have that, uh, you can set the tension of and you can feel that resistance with those ropes mm -hmm. like hey i'm good i can take i can be climbing a stick take my full hands off the off of everything and mm -hmm. i could jump and that thing's gonna hold me and all i'm gonna do is dangle until i reposition my feet yeah uh now let me just it's great let me ask you this how long do you usually sit for a hunting session does because i've always worried like does your back get sore do your legs get ever tired any or anything like that um well, let's talk first tree stand. Uh, you you got a couple things you can do. You can sit, or you can stand, or you can lean against the tree. Yeah. Um. So, I you can do everything that you can do in a tree stand. Um. Mm -hmm. You can stand. You can lean just with your legs extended. You can just lean straight back. Yeah. You can drop your tether a little bit and you can lower yourself so your legs are at like a 90 degree angle like you're sitting in a chair mm -hmm. you can also turn sideways like that and lean your shoulders up against the tree and rest your head up against the tree okay that's um, when you want to catch some z's in the tree <laughs> oh yeah. yeah you can also as you're as you're leaning there um you can adjust your bridge and then you can and that's almost in like directly in front of you. You can cross your hands over top of it and you can just lean your head down into your hands too. So, okay. um, you can also, uh, maneuver the ropes where you can put your arm underneath the ropes. I know it's hard to, to visualize, but yeah. everything's over your shoulder now uh -huh. and it's pinned you up against the tree, just like you're standing on a tree stand. Okay. So it's, uh, that that has uh, extended my sits tremendously. Mm -hmm. um, I also figured out my my boot <laughs> my boot situation, which has ruined several hunts over the years because you know my feet get cold very very easily. But yeah. <laughs> I, I I figured it out last year, so but I'm good to go now. But uh, yeah, you can uh, you can sit. Uh, I I don't I don't morning hunt um, very much anymore, mm -hmm. um, but. In the evening, I'll normally, you know, I'll head out at two, and I have no problem sitting through sitting through the night just because there's so many positions that you can sit. I heard that. Now, uh, kind of getting into that part, I saw you're a martial artist. 
Tell me about that am, yeah. and how you got into yeah, that. Because, so, I mean, I wrestled yeah. and I had an ag teacher. He actually coached down here, and I'd work his spots nice. for him. Oh, that's badass. Oh, so, yeah. Get in for free, I, it was. <laughs> that's so cool. So, for as long as I can remember, I've always watched the UFC. Um, mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, uh, my dad, I would beg my dad to please let me rent the like the first and second, third UFC at the video store. Yeah. Um, and then when I got older, um, I just, man, I. Oh, I think we lost him. Hold on, let me see if I can get him back on the horn. Oh, everybody. Hey, man. I don't know what happened. I'm sorry about you're, that. I don't know what happened. You're good. It's storming down here, too, so there ain't no telling. <laughs> got it. So, um, but when I got older, um, I, there was a, a mixed martial arts gym five minutes from my house. Oh, and heck yeah. I, dude, I wanted to go so bad, but I just could not work up the balls to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, as I met people that have trained there before i found out that the owner and the head instructor was a a distant cousin of mine (laughs) and it was my cousin uh so this is going to be a little long but my first cousin my first cousin's dad was his was the instructor's like uncle or something like that married into the family so after i like felt comfortable I went in, and after my first day there, man, first of all, I said to my, I, I remember saying, why did it take me so long? Just that anxiety of going into a gym like that. Oh, yeah. um, if, if you if you can overcome that, um, everybody, first of all, when you're in a gym like that, nobody or, nobody is nobody's going to whoop you up. Nobody's going to uh, treat you bad. Everybody there is so nice because they don't have to be dickheads because in the real world, they'll, they'll just kill you. Exactly. So, and that's like how you know someone's have to have that ego. Yeah, that's how you know someone's serious, just like a soldier or anything like that. If there's yeah. someone that usually talks about it, they might have done something, but it's usually the people that don't even mention it. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Yep. Yep. So we, uh, I started there. Um, I trained. Uh, we. It was. It was technically um, a Muay Thai system on the sign in jiu-jitsu, but their their striking system was more of a an American kickboxing or like a Dutch style kickboxing. Okay. Um, so I, I trained there, I trained jujitsu there and their striking program, um, for about, about nine years, um, got my black belt under their system. And then a friend of mine, nice. uh, who trained with me there, um, he drove about 40 minutes to come to that gym, um, and train three or four times a week. Dedication, um, right? he, yeah. So he, he received uh, his jujitsu black belt and uh, said, hey, I'm going to be opening up my own school. It's like 15 minutes from my house, so it would be like 25 minutes from you. Do you want to run the striking program there? And I, I said, absolutely. You know, because I, you know, as much as I, I love I love hunting, I love martial arts, I love anything that has to do with, with leadership, mm-hmm. um, whether it be leadership books or motivational leadership training or I love I love leading a team. And, um, so once I had the opportunity and, it, and it's what I do every day for my, for my job too. But, uh, once I had an opportunity to, um, to start the striking program there, you know, uh, I, I always wanted to, you know, I love the way that, that I was trained, but I always wanted to, to do it a little different and attract more of the, the average Joe's, not the people who wanted to compete. Yeah. Um, so we have, we do have a couple in there that uh, we have one professional fighter. Um, we have a, a couple amateurs, mm-hmm. but everybody else, man, doctors, teachers, construction workers, machinists, yep. uh, laborers, grocery store workers. Uh, they're the, the people that you see every day that, um, you know, can, can, can really put a hurting on you. Yep. Uh, the, 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 the martial, the, my favorite thing about martial arts, man, is, you know, some of these, once you can get through the door, uh, we have, uh, a, once a week we have hard sparring nights. So you'll go, you'll go about 75% and it's all striking, you know, punches, kicks, um, you know, no takedowns, no, no ground or anything like that. But, um, you know, we'll spar probably 10, three minute rounds. And, you know, I've talked to the team all the time and, you know, some of them, you know, once they're newer, it's, it's hard for them to get to finish the whole night because it's exhausting, man. It's exhausting oh, yeah. when somebody's 
coming at you and you know it's Especially just, it's, if you're stuck on bottom it's it's a bitch <laughs> it's a, yeah it's a bitch for sure but if you can make it through that it translates to so many different things in your life man when relationships get hard when work gets hard you can look back on those moments and you know i had a grown-ass man trying to beat the shit out of me for 30 minutes straight and i was able to make it through that uh, this isn't so hard now you know yeah. they they can they can come in with no confidence and when they leave their 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 shoulders are back and their heads are a little higher and mm-hmm. you know they've they've learned humility and respect and discipline and you know they they show up when they don't want to show up and they're, they're losing weight and they're um they're just they're just happier people it's uh man it's my favorite place well, the human Besides body the work, needs struggle my place. that's my opinion on it and if you don't it just it just compounds your problems you, the body has to yeah. be moving yeah i mean what better outlet dude yeah, you know sure. where you can legally punch kick choke yep. uh <laughs> try to break somebody's arm uh-huh. uh, and not go to jail. <laughs> it's a fantastic thing. I know. Once uh, my girls get old enough, they're going to be going through there because I want them to have the confidence and me so they know yeah. if they, have, they can turn a boy's arm backwards, whatever they need to do, they can handle themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And and by all means, like, again, as much as I said what I said, the uh, the environment, you know, we I, I, tell, I tell my team all the time, you know, when you go home tonight, if you've gotten the better of somebody, you should never feel that, that you've won. You know, this is your team. You know, if you if you hit somebody kind of hard and then you can see that they're struggling to recover a little bit, then you, you give them a minute. You know, maybe you, you keep coming at them, but you give them like 1% so they can feel what it's like to recover after that. Yeah. But, you know, we're not, we're not competing. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we are all under the same flag and we're all here for different reasons, but it's, you know, as a martial artist, you're there to, to, to keep your teammates safe and yeah. to help them, to bring them to your level. Well, yeah, uh, I, mean, I can only imagine the popularity because even nowadays, I don't know how y'all's gun laws are, but down here in Georgia, they're pretty liberal in the good sense, meaning they allow you to carry and all that. But yeah. knowing you can tear someone up with your hands, they, you can't take you away, take them away. It's getting, dude, I, I uh, so, you know, I have my concealed carry, you know, up here and, um, it's, uh, you know, we're a, an open carry state as well. Um, now, open carry, you know, you can walk around with it, but you then have to unload it when you get in the car to transport it, yeah. unless you have your CCW. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, because of the, the C word, you don't even like to say that word anymore. Right. But uh, over the last year and a half, um, our, our, government offices have been so far behind for whatever reason that the the law the the ohio uh uh statute whatever you want to call it says that the sheriff has 45 days to issue a ccw um i know people and now they either have to issue it within 45 days or send you a written denial within 45 days and i know i know people who are over 70 days now with no response because they're so far backed up on background checks mm-hmm. for whatever reason. So Dang, I feel like, and there's no repercussion on the sheriffs, yeah. you know, because of it, they blame it on the attorney general's office who does the background checks and mm-hmm. this and that. But, you know, I can almost see the writing on the walls, man. Like yeah. it's, it's scary when, when you have a government that's trying to take away, um, what our forefathers fought so hard for us to have. It's um, scary, man. Well, even back in the Obama era, I worked at a Gander Mountain Man Academy, and, man, I can't tell you how many fistfights we broke up in the store from people trying to just buy as many ARs or many bullets (laughs) as they can. And it's just plum crazy. It's just a consumer-based panic kind of thing, too. But Oh, for sure. Same thing with, like, toilet paper, man. (laughs) You know? And, like, Those people may get cold from the herd to do that shit. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Golly. the crazy thing is, is I felt good the other day when I bought a box of 59 millimeter rounds for $21. I felt good about that. That's actually a good price, somewhat. <laughs> yeah, no shit. It, it was, at a time, it was 30 or 40 bucks. Yeah. And, I, like, I, oh, it's just, it's terrible. Cause I, I mean, I like to shoot, too. I mean, I love shooting pistols. I love, yeah. I, you know, I don't rifle hunt, but, you know, I have 300 blackout and, mm-hmm. you know, AR. I mean, I like to, I like to shoot. Um, but now you can't. You, you're going to spend a couple hundred bucks to go have some fun and, and 
you know, practice. That, so, I'm kind of in the rat hole stage where I'm not really shooting a whole lot like I used to. I'm kind of just holding it back. I can't. You don't know if you're going to be able to find it. it. I mean, it's starting to come back to the shelves now, but I believe this is kind of like a lull before the storm because I know there's probably something in the White House that's going to come through. Always. They're going to try and ban bullet importation or the lead or the metals or some bull crap like that, and it'll probably yeah. ramp back up. So I'm um, just yeah. trying to foresee a few things. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. I mean, I got a buddy of mine. He, you know, he counted everything up during the middle of this, and he had – he had enough to pay off half of his mortgage in, in nine millimeter ammo. Oh my um, God. yeah. I mean, but he would buy, he, you know, when it wasn't expensive, you know, if he found a pallet and a really good deal at, you know, whatever he would buy it. He, oh, yeah. he, and, but he, I mean, he also had, you know, he teaches, uh, CCW classes. So he, he shoots a lot. So he always, you know, stockpiles always has ammo, but, and he's like, he won't even shoot now. Um, because of that exact reason, you know, one, it's so expensive. He's never going to be able to recoup all the ammo he has, be, you know, for the price it is now. And two, uh, he's, he's afraid to shoot. He doesn't want to, he doesn't, you never know what's going to happen, man. Well, you definitely stay prepared, but well, yeah, man, uh, hey, we're coming on, I say we're going about an hour here. Uh, if you want to plug yourself and whatever else, tell everybody where they can find you at, especially your YouTube channel. Cause I don't yeah, want to keep it too long so. tonight, but I definitely want to have you back on though. Do you turkey hunt? Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Well, good. I'll have you on this turkey season then. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Yeah, so uh, um, Roseborg TV is the uh, YouTube channel, Roseborg, also on uh, Instagram. And then my personal one is uh, 330 with a bow, 3 underscore 3 underscore OH underscore, and then, you know, with a bow. Okay. Um, but, yeah, Connor, I, I appreciate you having me, man. Uh, good luck this season. Make sure you uh, keep in touch. Uh, yeah, man, I will do. out there, anything cool. And, uh, you know, appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time again. I say good luck to you as well. And uh, I'll be in touch, man. Sounds have a good, good day. Buddy. Have a good rest of your night, man. You too. Bye. All right, see ya. Well, everybody, that was episode number 26. I hope you all enjoyed it. That was quite a fun episode, and it was kind of the spur of the moment as well. So, thanks again for everyone who supports, and thank you, Mr. Tony Sangalosi, for coming on the podcast.